Welcome in. It's the Email Design Podcast. This is your home, your place to come, be safe, and geek out over all things email. We're talking design, development, and marketing. As always, we are your hosts. I'm Kevin Mandeville. And I'm Jason Rodriguez. And coming up on today's podcast, we're going to go over a lot of research that we've been doing at Litmus recently, come back uh, with some cool findings and stats from you, and cover uh, a couple of news things uh, in the industry. Uh, But what are we kicking off with today, Jason? Yeah, we're looking at email client market share. Um, So this is something we've always been reporting on. I feel like a lot of you are probably familiar with emailclientmarketshare.com, which is our website to maintain this list of top 10 email clients. Uh, But we recently published a great infographic that's the email client market share from 2017, so the past year. Um, And it's kind of breaking down the trends that we've seen over the entire year, uh, which is really cool to look at how email clients change, how usage changes, and uh, in particular, how that could potentially affect your design development practices. Um, so it's pretty cool to see that, you know, we tracked over two th- or over 15 billion emails uh, the past year. And if all of those were a letter, if they were stacked up, that'd be 28,000 miles high, which is insane to think about. Um, but from all that data, we learned a couple of things. We, you know, obviously tracked the top 10 email clients. Uh, there wasn't a massive uh, shift in email client usage um, as far as that top 10 goes. You know, iPhone, Gmail, and iPad, Apple Mail are still those top four. Uh, Outlook still at number five. I think the big one was the new introduction of Samsung Mail, uh, which I think we've talked about a little bit on previous podcast episodes. Um, so that's in at number six at 5%, which is really interesting to see because Samsung Mail is not without its challenges. Um, but it's really great to see too, you know, that kind of mobile dominance between iPhone, iPad, uh, Samsung mail, Google Android's on there at number eight. Um, mobile is definitely, you know, it continues to consume the world more and more people opening on mobile devices. Um, that being said, we did see a little bit of a dip in mobile opens, uh, between, December of 2016, December of 2017, it went from 51% down to 47%, um, but still holding right around that half of all audiences are opening on mobile uh, clients, which is really something you want to consider when you're designing your emails. You know, you want to make sure your emails are responsive or at least mobile aware, uh, look good and are usable on those mobile devices. Um, we also looked at, you know, webmail opens. Uh, I don't think there's a huge surprise that we've seen tremendous growth in Gmail. Um, it went from a little under 20% up to 26%. Um, and it's, you know, it's holding strong. It's increasing its usage. Um, and that's at the detriment of things like Outlook.com and Yahoo Mail. Um, so Gmail continuing to assert its dominance in the webmail world. Um, desktop opens, you know, we looked at as well. Uh, they are nowhere near as significant a player as they once were, as more and more people are opening on mobile, um, but still something you need to consider. Uh, Apple Mail is still maintaining dominance. Um, Outlook's right up there, too. Windows Live Mail is decreasing. Um, but it's really cool to see, you know, how all these different email clients break down, uh, what people are using to open up your emails. Um And just check out, yeah, I just kind of encourage you to check out this great research we did and kind of take that into account. And I think the one point we want to make with this, too, though, is that this isn't the case for everybody. Everybody's audience is different. 
um, you know, you should look at this stuff and understand these industry wide trends. Uh, it's definitely important to consider, but you absolutely need to take a look at your own audiences to see where they're opening, because that's the data you need to use to really inform your design development decisions, because um, everybody's audience is unique. And, you know, one of the best ways to do that is by looking at your own stats, uh, use something like litmus email analytics to see where people are opening and then use that information to tailor your design practices moving forward. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. And we at Limus could not be further from what the industry averages. Yep. We, we only get about 10 to 15% mobile opens on any given send. So yeah, it can vary drastically. Uh, for me, obviously, it wasn't a massive amount of change. I guess the things that point uh, stuck out to me, like you mentioned, Samsung Mail, I, I wouldn't have expected that to have been yeah. as high as it was, really, yeah. now that we're able to break it out into its own category. So that's actually a pretty big client to consider if you aren't anymore. So I, I would have thought it would have been maybe half of the size that it came at. So uh, especially that Gmail is so dominant now, the fact that Samsung Mail is kind of getting unique opens off that uh, you know de facto Mail app, which I guess goes to show people are going to use a lot of the defaults. Yep. Um, they're not going to go out of their way to set stuff up a lot for the app. We're talking the average type of user, right? And then, yeah, I mean, obviously with the Gmail image caching limitations on uh, being able to track and detect Gmail opens in terms of differentiating between mobile and webmail, but you, we can still definitively say overall that Gmail continues to grow. Yep. And so I think that's the other big trend to take away from this. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Gmail just continues to slowly eat away, even though we can't accurately pinpoint between the different environments, people are, people are using Gmail. So, uh, obviously we know they're a big player and an important one, but, uh, interesting to see if they're able to keep climbing and who knows, maybe they even take over the number one spot yeah. at some point. Yeah. It's only, we noted it's only two percentage points between them and, uh, iOS mail. So it'll be interesting to see if they kind of keep that up and, see continued growth and overtake Apple in that one. Yeah. And I mean, if you combine, you know, the Android with that as well, oh, yeah. so, you know, then you could make an argument that it already is there, yep. but uh, yeah, it kind of comes down to that. Uh, so speaking of image caching, uh, some unfortunate news to break in the industry. Yahoo Mail is now caching their images. So similar to what Gmail does, they are now caching all images and puts them into their own proxy servers. Uh, so Gmail introduced this back in December 2013. This happened just a couple weeks ago here for Yahoo Mail. And so what does this mean for uh, tracking Yahoo Mail opens? It means that one, we can't tell, just like Gmail, where that open is actually happening. So we're able to detect that it's coming from Yahoo but we can't differentiate between the webmail or the mobile apps for it like we previously could. In addition to that, we are unable to provide any form of engagement or geolocation data that's accurate, um, or at least useful. I wouldn't say maybe not technically accurate, but anything that's insightful or useful. Yeah. So if you're looking at Litmus email analytics, looking at engagement and geolocation, we now have to omit Yahoo from those. Um, or we would recommend that you don't necessarily even consider them as a part of those metrics. Uh, and that's really what how it's going to detect it. I guess the good news in all of this is that Yahoo Mail is only at around 2% of the market. So obviously with Gmail being around 28%, that's like a much, much bigger deal, right? Yahoo Mail, 
I don't know that knowing the breakdown between Yahoo Webmail or Yahoo Mobile is the biggest thing in the world. You are, it's probably a bigger factor in terms of just uh, contributing to the problem of not accurately detecting mobile desktop webmail mm -hmm. audience overall. You know what I mean? But um, unfortunate news to see this here. I mean, what's your reaction to this? How? Uh, what do you think is the reasoning behind this for Yahoo Mail? Jason? Yeah, that's definitely unfortunate to see. Um, I feel like they... I mean, my my gut reaction is that they're probably doing this for speed and security. Um, you know, Google, Gmail, they talked about security as like the number one reason for doing something like this so that, uh, you know, a malicious sender couldn't send some heavy download, some shitty image that's going to affect your computer, you know. So I think that's one of the key components here, but they're probably looking at speed, too. If they're hosting all these images on their own servers, those tend to be more reliable and faster than third party servers. Um, so I kind of understand that from like a technical standpoint, but it definitely sucks for us because, yeah, now we can't break out Yahoo and all these individual environments. We lose that engagement data, the geolocation data. Um, so definitely sucks. But yeah, like you said, it's it's a Typically, a very small percentage of subscribers are opening in Yahoo Mail. Um, so I don't think it's going to be a huge, huge thing for the email industry. Um, but the thing that worries me is that this now that there's two people doing it, this could be a potential trend that more uh, you know, email client providers are going to be following, which could be really suck for us in the long term because that's going to affect all of our analytics if everybody jumps on this image caching bandwagon. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of interesting too, though, because then it kind of forces, uh, you know, software providers like us to rethink how we do analytics, um, investigate if there's different ways or different approaches to get that kind of data, get better data, improve and make our existing data more robust long term. Um, so I think that's a nice side effect, but I wish it was one we didn't have to worry about. <laughs> yeah, and we are investigating ways to update this and work around it. Uh, we think for Yahoo, there's a few things we could do. And that's an interesting point, trying to update and solve this problem. You know, we try to do things in terms of detecting the user agent yep. strings, which is a more reliable form of detection for this uh, data detection. There are front-end things we could try to do, but that's that's not as reliable long-term, yep. right? If a rendering engine changes, we don't want to rely on front-end hacks all the time to implement the, this tracking uh, analytics. So, um, yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing. And um, yeah, if anybody's from Yahoo listening out there or whatnot, definitely let's get in touch. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Uh, try to we we we're, I think we're all for you doing this behavior for improving performance and whatnot. But just give us a way to easily detect where you're yeah, coming totally. from. That'd be um, great. Yeah, awesome. Uh, some more great research. Uh, we just published our massive 2018 state of email report. Uh, so we do this yearly. Uh, this is our look at the last 12 months. Uh, it's our main kind of report that pulls together all this information, all these things we learned over the past 12 months. It goes over, you know, key industry changes, uh, introduction of new email clients, what was retired, uh, some of the major development things that we need to take into account, things like um, iOS 11 being released, the iPhone 8 Plus 8 release, the iPhone X or 10 release. 
um, how those things impact your development practices, what kind of media queries you can use to target those. Uh, this just pulls together so much information, so much of the research that we've done over the past year that it's an absolutely invaluable resource for email marketers out there. Um, it's 56 pages packed of uh, you know, this great content. It's really well designed, so it's not like a chore to read this. It's full of like images illustrating all these things, graphs, charts, all that good stuff that you can use to uh, kind of take into account and improve your email campaigns uh, over the next year. So put these all this stuff that we learned over the last year into work for the next year for you. Um, but definitely worth checking out. You know, it goes over all kinds of stuff. Uh, design stuff, like I mentioned, email clients, um, talks about some of the updated spam laws and privacy news that have been uh, rocking the email industry of late and uh, that are really going to come into play over the next couple of months here as something like GDPR uh, comes into play and is starting to be enforced um, and then goes into some of the big trends that we've seen throughout the email industry over the past year. Um, so something definitely worth downloading, free to download, uh, and something that, you know, it's it's one of those huge resources that everybody should probably give a good look at. It's great to read, to stay up to date on things. It's great to share with coworkers who maybe aren't yeah, as familiar absolutely. with everything. It kind of compacts and distills everything down. Like you said, it's 56 pages, but it's yep. a quick read. Uh, highly visual, short paragraphs, uh, very bite-sized, chunk-sized to, to take in the information. And yeah, it goes over all the highlights, all the market share stuff we just talked about. Goes over, you know, talks about iOS 11, iPhone 10. Outlook app supporting media queries, Outlook.com supporting background images, all the latest updates, everything that you need to know what happened in 2017, uh, it's you got you covered right here. So switching back into some more news, so Google launches a lightweight Gmail Go app for Android, and I didn't even know this, but uh, essentially... Google has this whole addition and suite of Go apps. These are lightweight apps designed primarily for emerging markets. So think of you know, markets that are not going to have fast internet access and things like that. That's really what this suite of apps is designed for. So uh, they already have it for YouTube Go, Files Go, Google Go, Google Maps Go, Google and Assistant Go, and now they have Gmail Go. Uh, so this is just a lightweight app. It's essentially, it's under 10 megabytes. It's nine and a half megabytes to download, only takes up about 25 megabytes of space on the device compared to Gmail, which is a 20 plus megabyte download and almost 50 megabytes of storage space. So really small for the file size things. And it's really a, a trimmed down version and you can see that it kind of cuts corners on some of the performance aspect just so that it can deliver things faster. So uh, it says that scrolling is a little bit choppier for this. Uh, it syncs fewer days of emails and attachments to use less bandwidth. So essentially it's really just as streamlined of an mail app as you could possibly get supposedly with this case of, of Gmail Go. Uh, so it's interesting to note that this is only going to be available. It's not going to be available for everybody, so just make sure you got this. It's only going to be available on Android O Go Edition devices. They're going to be the only ones that have the ability to use the app and install it from the Play Store. So it's not going to be available for everybody. You can use it alongside the regular Gmail app if you'd like to as well. Uh, but again, it's only going to be available on Android Go. Android O uh, Go Edition devices. 
And just to point out, Android Oreo for 8.0 and 8.1, looking at the market share on Android, it's 0.8% and 0.3%. So you're really only looking at a total of 1%. I wouldn't freak out about the market share for this or worrying about it too much because only 1% can have it right now or have the ability to have it and how many are even gonna opt in in the first place. Um, so yeah, so what do you think of this move yeah, from Yeah, I have, uh, definitely have mixed feelings like most things Google does these days. Um, I think it's cool, you know, that they're, they're <laughs> you know, addressing this emerging markets uh, segment and they understand that people need lighter weight apps and faster apps to access all this information, access the internet, um, even when they're on, you know, really terrible Wi-Fi or don't have data plans that can uh, use something like regular Gmail. Um, so I think that's cool, but it's also begs the question, like, why are your regular apps so bloated or need so much data um, or storage? You know, why can't you just slim those down to be more performant to begin with, you know? Um, but yeah, like you said, it's regardless, it's less than 1% of uh, Android users that could actually get access to this currently. Um, I expect that to probably be opened up in the future, but still, it's going to be a very, very small audience. Um, so I don't know if you have to worry about it too much. We haven't seen or heard of any like major rendering issues with this client in particular. Um, you know, it's just that more lightweight version of regular Gmail. Um, so I doubt it's going to be something we need to worry about, but it's definitely awesome that they're addressing this use case and, uh, you know, kind of speaks to the reality that it's something that we should be addressing in the email industry, regardless of what Gmail or another company is doing is we want all of our emails to be as lightweight as possible um, to really take into account all these different types of users that have different usage or like data plans or Wi-Fi connections, all these different network connections. We want to make sure that all of our emails are as performant as possible. So you want to make sure you're not using too many images. You want a healthy mix of like live text, HTML. Um, you will would it would behoove you greatly to use semantic markup and take accessibility into account because uh, you know, one of the first things that's going to go on these really terrible networks are image downloads. So if you're not using live text and accessible uh, semantic markup, then, you know, that's going to be providing a really terrible experience for your subscribers. So it's cool that they're doing this. It raised some questions for us and, you know, forces us to revisit some of our own practices, which is awesome. Um, but I'd love to see, you know, just lightweight apps in general from everybody and more performant apps across the board. Yeah. Sam Sexton actually posted something in Email Geek Slack, and unfortunately yeah. the history is already passed, so we can't access it to display it. But um, I think you mentioned there was a couple of rendering issues. So uh, if anybody finds anything, let us know. Sure. So there might be something slightly different with how they may be handling this. I'm not entirely sure. But uh, at, the, at any rate, at least for the time being, I would yep. expect adoption to be very low. It's going to be a very niche audience, so you don't need to freak out about it too much. All right, we're going to get back into the news in a second. We just want to take a quick break here, let you know you can uh, catch the podcast at emaildesignpodcast.com. All show notes, links, everything we discuss, and all past episodes are right there. You can tweet along with the hashtag emaildesignpodcast and subscribe on SoundCloud, YouTube, and iTunes. Get the podcast as soon as it drops wherever you prefer it. And we also have a free 14-day trial of Limus. You can go to limus.com slash gift card, coupon code podcast. If you don't know about Litmus at this point, well, let me tell you about it. Litmus is the email creative platform. Uh, you can build, test, and analyze your email. 
Uh, so you can see what it looks like in over 90 different email clients, everything from the Outlooks to the Gmails to the iOS mails of the world. We got you covered, over 90 to test in. Make sure it looks good in all the different clients. And then you can also check your content, make sure your links aren't broken, your tracking's not broken, right? You go through all this work to build in and send great, beautiful email. You don't have any errors with it. You wanna make it error-proof and, and bulletproof. So. Uh, just go to Limus.com slash gift card coupon code podcast for a free 14-day trial of Limus. It's going to really supercharge your whole you know, email creation, testing, analyzing process. And we also run a conference every year at Limus. It's called Litmus Live. And you can go to Limus.com slash conference. And we now have our dates announced for this year's trio of conferences. We are visiting London, Boston, and San Francisco again. London is going to be on August 21st. Boston is going to be September 17th through 19th, and San Francisco is going to be November 8th through 9th. So tickets are not on sale yet, but go to litmus.com slash conference, sign up to receive the email notifications because the tickets, oh, yeah. they go quick, especially the early birds. We have limited early birds, yep. and those things fly off the shelves. So you want to make sure you get the updates. Um, those will be going on sale within the next month or two, so definitely keep your eyes open. and. Uh, by the time this gets released, Jason, I guess the call for speakers will be closed, but there's just so many amazing talks every year from the most amazing minds and email that get together. Absolutely. I have a blast every year. I know you have a blast. Yeah, it's it's, it's the it's conference just a great of the year. Time. It's always an, <clears throat> an absolute joy to talk to everybody, meet all those email geeks. Um, it's fun, too, because I don't think a year's gone by since we've been doing this podcast where I don't have a handful of people come up to me and be like, oh, you're one of those bald dudes from the podcast. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, if we were recording this on Thursday this week, but if uh, we get out the door on Friday and you're listening to this podcast, you still have today to submit a proposal to speak at the conference. Uh, just go to litmus.com slash conference uh, hashtag speaking, and that'll drop you down to that speaking information section. Um, so if you are thinking about doing a proposal, then absolutely get it in. Uh, we would love to see it. We get some of our best talks from members of the email community that are, you know, in the Limits community, listen to the podcast, Twitter friends, stuff like that. The people that are in the weeds doing the hard work of email. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out. Speaking of people that are in the weeds, uh, doing the hard work of email, uh, we did this great research. Chad, Chad's been killing it on research. He's our director of research. So, uh, it's kind of his daily work, you know, but he does some amazing research, uh, and did this great infographic about the snapshot of the email professional. Um, so as part of our state of email survey research series, uh, we got, you know, a ton of responses from people. And some of that data was looking at, what these people, the people that are working on email day in, day out, what they look like, um, you know, what their job duties are, uh, who they are, where in the world they are. Um, so we did this great infographic looking at what an email professional looks like. Um, so there's some cool kind of demographical data uh, where we found out that worldwide, uh, we have a really well-balanced um, email industry as far as gender goes. Uh, worldwide, it's about 49% for both male and female. Some people decline to answer, um, but that definitely varies when you go regionally. So in the United States, there's about 41% male, 57% uh, female, which is phenomenal to see. Uh, Europe is heavily skewed towards male people in the industry. There's about 70% 70, 70 male, 27% uh, female. 
Um, but elsewhere in the world, it kind of averages out a little bit more than that. So really cool to see that it's a good, healthy mix of people. Um, age wise, it's uh, definitely skewed towards the younger crowd. Um, so over half of people uh, we surveyed are between 25 and 34 years old. Um, the other half is essentially 34 or younger. Uh, and then just like a small percentage of those, uh, it would qualify as older people. Um, so that's cool to see, too. You know, I, I don't think that's a big surprise because uh, it's largely in the tech industry are these email jobs. And that's heavily skewed towards younger generations. Um, I think the really interesting data, though, is when we start looking at the work experience and the different types of job functions that people in email are called on to do. Um, so this is really, really interesting data where it, we ask them what your actual job function is, uh, what's the main focus of your job. And we had answers from everything from you know, coding and development to analysis, uh, strategy planning, uh, just plain copywriting, oversight of the entire email program. Um, so really cool breakdown to see all these different tasks that were called on to perform. You know, there's a lot of things that go into the email world. Um, and a lot of people that are handling all of those things just in one role, which is crazy to think about. You know, the tech industry has tons of specialization, but I feel like the email industry is only now catching up. We tend to have some smaller teams or individual people that are handling all these different duties. Um, finally, we looked at, you know, the makeup of the email industry as far as verticals or industries are concerned, whether or not people are in the technology industry, uh, nonprofits, education, marketing, whatever. Um, so I thought this was really interesting, too, that marketing, PR and advertising are the number one, the largest group uh, represented in our survey results. I, I almost would have expected that to be retail and e-commerce, um, but that actually clocks in at number three. Um, I thought it was great to see nonprofit at number four there. I don't think it's a huge surprise they use email. Mass, it's a massive channel for them to get fundraising, which is like their number one job. Um, but yeah, really cool breakdown of what these different companies look like, uh, what the people inside of the industry look like, and all of the different jobs that they're called on to do. Yeah, again, like you said, just killer research from Chad um, and the fact that we can turn this great. Like, I know we ask you people a lot of questions and we throw yeah. out a lot of surveys <laughs> or whatnot, but by doing that, it helps us in turn come back and create great reports like this. So, yep. um, yeah, this this is just great stuff. And definitely, again, this is a free infographic. So please tweet it, share it, do all of that. Um, so another piece of research that we have... Uh, from Chad as well. He did uh, an executive summary uh, titled How to Overcome the Biggest Email Marketing Challenges of 2018. And this is available for download for free. It's an 11-page executive summary, and I'm just going to give a quick preview of it here for sort of the, the title slide and the key thing. Um, but essentially, we pulled over 600 marketers and found uh, an array of issues, which they were all sort of equally balanced. I mean, there wasn't like one that was 25% or 50%. I mean, the highest was 16% and the lowest was 8%. So it was a pretty, you know, pretty evenly split. But the topics were were this. It, it was uh, the... The question I should say, let me ask this. The question was, do you know which challenges are holding your email marketing program back from achieving its full potential in 2018. And here were the list of answers in order. One, poor coordination between other departments and channels, etc. Two, insufficient staffing. Three, limitations of current email service provider, so sort of a software uh, limitation. Uh, four, bad strategy or leadership. Five, lack of quality data integration. 
uh, etc. Six, inadequate tools for email creation process. Seven, poorly defined, defined email channel goals, KPIs, etc. And eight, low visibility into email performance, deliverability, and etc. Um, so I thought this was just uh, some interesting stuff. And again, this is all broken down by each bullet point for each item. So this is a free download you can get. Again, you can pass this off to your boss, try to help nudge some people. Hey, look at what other people are saying. Look mm -hmm. at what the industry is saying. We're experiencing this too. Uh, and Chad sort of breaks down uh, how you can overcome some of these challenges as well or ways to analyze this. We also talk about how Litmus can help some of the issues that you might be having with some of those or point you to resources that we have around these issues as well to help better educate your, yourself. So uh, this, this again is another great free download that uh, you should definitely take advantage of. Yeah, coming out of some of that same data too, uh, Chad posted this great blog post, sir. Last final resource that we're gonna point you to from the Litmus blog here. Um, but he went over that same data and looked at the different priorities and budget changes for 2018. Um, so I thought this was really revealing, you know, when you actually ask email marketers what they're focusing on and what their priorities are and then what they're backing up with their actual spend um, with their budgets. It's really interesting to see. So the uh, we found out that the number one email marketing priority for 2018 is going to be boosting the level of personalization in emails. Um, so that's really interesting because I feel like that doesn't necessarily get talked about as much as it probably should inside the industry. We talk a lot about things like interactive email, uh, workflow process, stuff like that. Um, but those things actually ranked a lot farther down on this list. Uh, workflow, fortunately, was number four, uh, that number four priority for email marketers. Um, but things like uh, interactive email functionality, that, that ranks even below that at number five. Uh, a lot fewer people focusing on that over something like um, boosting personalization, uh, expanding usage of automated emails, and doing more A-B testing of their email campaigns. Um, so I think that's really interesting to see because it's personalization, A-B testing might not be as like sexy as interactive email, but it typically provides a really good ROI. Um, it's easier to prove the ROI of those techniques than something like interactive emails. Um, so that was really interesting to see. And yeah. then well, we, those things too, if I uh, just quickly, I mean, those things don't go away, right? Those yeah, are always yeah. going to be there and those can be applicable for every single email campaign. Yep, so, absolutely. and it's not getting easier, right? It, it, as time goes on, things are just getting more and more complex with more and more data we have, how to even find insights or manage it or know what the heck to do with it. So yeah. it just keeps getting harder and it's not going away. So that stuff, it doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. So one of the interesting things, too, though, was... Um... You know, when we, it looks at like actual spending, uh, what budgets are going to be spending their money on, then it's it's a little bit different from what the priorities are speaking to. Um, so the top spend is going to be integration of email with other channels. Um, so that wasn't really like a high priority for a lot of the people that responded to the survey, um, you know, working email into that omni-channel marketing plan. Uh, but it's something that is going to be huge as far as spending goes. Um, it was really cool to see that a lot of teams are going to be investing in their email building testing analytics tools, um, but then also that they're going to be investing in education, conferences, and training. So I think this is awesome. It speaks to the power of email, the fact that companies are 
quickly being clued into the power of email and then investing in better resources, better training for the people that are working on email, which is absolutely awesome to see. Um, you know, they're going to be investing more on email team personnel. Uh, a lot of the data kind of speaks to them not necessarily expanding their teams so much as providing raises and better training on their existing teams, um, which is good pe for people already in the industry. Um, then it kind of breaks down from there for, you know, if they're going to be spending on consultants, freelancers, agencies, uh, different email service providers, stuff like that. But some really good data to look at, um, see what those different challenges are, what people are actually prioritizing, and then how they're actually backing up those priorities with their money. Yeah. So special thanks at Chad S. White on Twitter. Thank him. We just yeah. went through three resources that really came thanks to all of his hard work and research. So, uh, and obviously to all the other team members too who helped make this stuff pretty. Um, but yeah, Chad is definitely driving a lot of this research. So give him a special shout out on Twitter. Uh, and thanks. All right, Jason. So what have we got for this week's email of the week? Yeah. So this is a newsletter that actually hit my inbox. Uh, I think back in November was their edition. It's the DPDK digital agency uh, newsletter. So this is a digital agency. They do websites. They do uh, product design, marketing, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they're based out of both the Netherlands and New York. Um, so kind of multi-continental awesome digital agency but they put together this awesome awesome newsletter that's beautifully designed that's just an update on some of the work that they've been doing uh just keeps their customers or subscribers up to date on some of the cool things that have been going on in the offices it talks about a great javascript meetup some of the cool things they've done on CodePen. uh has linked to their instagram feed and some of their latest pictures um but just a really really nice well-designed newsletter um there's nothing fancy from like a development perspective which i think is cool it allows them to uh, get something like this out a lot quicker than worrying about interactivity uh, but they still have a lot of animation and motion in the email through the use of animated gifs um so i really like it it kicks off of this awesome animated hero image of this guy dancing he looks super happy but then it has these animated uh kind of like a word bubble thing going on that's about the content of the actual newsletter itself so it's custom to this particular edition of their newsletter which is cool um, but one of my favorite things the animation is are these uh, animated CTAs so I think this is really cool it's using animated gifs for the buttons that just kind of draws your eye to that button um, so I'm I'm cool. I'm I'm glad that we're seeing something like this in this newsletter. Uh, it's not as accessible, maybe, if images are turned off because these are all image buttons. Um, but when images are turned on, it's just this really cool design, this really cool movement in the email. Um, and I think my second favorite thing is the fact that it's not, yeah, it's not doing anything special. It's pretty straightforward, uh, has a really good mix of images and live HTML text. And then when you look at it on mobile, it's just that mobile aware technique in play. It just takes that email that's designed really well and then shrinks it down on that mobile device. So there's nothing interesting going on responsively, but it still works beautifully on mobile. Um, so it's probably, uh, you know, relatively low effort email to put together on their end but it has this really high impact from a subscriber's perspective yeah this is a pretty cool newsletter uh i have to admit it's it's i think it's a like you said there's nothing overly fancy going on here but it shows how you can still pull off a great design and a great experience by doing that a little bit of animation with their animated gifs right 
big bold text they're yep. not trying to write a book in here although i would say there's maybe a little yeah. bit too much content it's maybe there's a, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of content a lot of a decent amount of scrolling by you know yeah. but i mean it's memory. all bite-sized chunks right and they are using live yep. text for the main paragraphs and this is what i would say actually a really good example of an email that uses typography inside of images to uh, a yeah. good effect, right? Because they're doing horizontal text, they're doing uh, unique web fonts. I actually say that this is a good use of that, um, whereas many times you just see it and you're like, well, why did you do that? There wasn't a reason. At least there is a design yeah. element to the way in which they're using the typography here in this newsletter that I really like. Uh, I would, I'm would. i gonna have to disagree with you on the buttons though. I think I would much rather have preferred them to make them uh, actual uh, live buttons, bulletproof buttons. Um, I don't know how they would be able to do the line animation. I would have to have a think about that, but they could obviously recreate that button uh, with that styling and even the text uh, sort of uh, changing, at least for clients there, it would be sure. supported. Um, I would say that's probably the only thing, you know, again, just because I think those core components, they, they should be live. Um, but otherwise, I, I really enjoyed the boldness of, of this newsletter. Uh, this was a great, great pick by you. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast, everybody. Reminder, you can catch out the podcast at emaildesignpodcast.com. All the show notes, links, everything we discuss is right there. Uh, and all the past episodes. We're, we're, we are approaching 100, man. We are getting old. Almost there. Almost there. <laughs> so definitely stay tuned for that. That should be a fun episode. Uh, catch all the past episodes. Tweet along with the hashtag email design podcast. Subscribe. We've got it. You covered on SoundCloud, YouTube, and iTunes. And uh, hey, free 14-day trial of Limits. Just go to Limits.com slash gift card. Coupon code podcast. Test your emails before you send. Make sure they look great.